0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: We're beginning a brand new series today, and the series is going to be on the ABCs of character building. But before we actually get into perhaps a list of character traits, today we're just going to speak on the whole dynamic of having character in our lives. So that's why we title this, Are You a Person of Character? Uh, one person has made a great comment, and it has now been polyparodied or probably around the country quite frequently, but yet it's something to cause us to think about, and it goes like this. The hope of the world lies in the success of character in America. The success of character in America lies in strong churches with character. Strong churches must have strong people and families with character. And strong people and families must be led by people strong in character. And people strong in character must be character builders. And so today we're going to launch into a great series on having character in our own life, but also I believe it's the responsibility of pastors and parents to equip the next generation to have what we might want to call character in their lives, or biblical character in their lives. And so I pray that this series would be a great character-building experience for you and me, but at the same time to add value to those that are in our sphere of influence and in our own little communities in which we live. You know, uh, character demands two things out of us. One, it demands us to determine the right course of action to take. In other words, we need to know what is the right course. What are we supposed to do? And if we were to do that, then we would have character in our life. And the second is, once we determine the right course of action, then we have to choose to follow it. There are people today that probably do know, most cases, what's the right thing to do. But they really struggle at the second, and that is actually following through with it. Sometimes though, determining the right course of action can be difficult, especially when it appears that there are two rights that are facing you. Which one do you take? For example, you know that we shouldn't really be a critical person and to maybe criticize other people. And yet at the same time, you have a friend who you know is entering into a moral and pure relationship or is carrying one on. And so now you have the tension, I don't wanna criticize him. He has his freedom to do what he really wants to do, but I also am supposed to care enough to confront when he's stepping into some sin into some dangerous areas of his life. And so how do we determine between those two? And so that becomes a difficult time. Then other times it could be difficult because now it's very clear what we should do, but to determine to follow it becomes more difficult. And an example like that might be that we're at work now. And while we're at work, we decide that we need to make some copies of maybe our daughter's recital so we go over to the copy machine and we make those, those copies. We, we know it's really not right, but we kind of avoid our conscience for a little bit and we slide by and we kind of justify it by saying, well, it's okay, I probably won't get called on it or get caught. And everybody else does it. So now again, we might know what's the right thing to do, but sometimes it's difficult to follow it in our lives. Well, our responsibility as a believer in Christ is to really know what would be the right things to do and sometimes even to judge the difference between what is good and what is better and what is best. We need to have it in our own life as an embracing moral value and live it as a model in front of others, especially our family. But at the same time, is modeling enough? Just modeling enough? Is it just they'll get what's caught, not just what's taught? I believe we still need to teach. But the teaching is a lot easier when they can see it in our lives. Now I am launching this series not because as your pastor I'm sensing that our church has a lot of people that are conflicted in inner integrity. And that I'm sensing that our people are not really walking with a certain degree of integrity. But I do believe that you and I live in the same world. And our world we're tempted and bombarded with a lot of opportunities for us to skate by especially when the world often permits it and at times even will prescribe that it's okay, the ends justify the means. But if we want to be right, really right with the Lord, and we want to experience the fullness of God, His power, His presence, and His intimacy, then we do need to know what is right, and then to make the right choice to follow it according to His power, for His glory, and His way. And so I really want to come alongside you on this whole issue of having character in your life. And yet at the same time, I know that right now Satan would hate for us to have inner character that would be manifested to others in giving the glory to the Lord. And he especially knows that if he can come against me and show flaws in my own character, then I would have a bunch of hypocrisy in my life. And I wouldn't have power in my preaching. So I'm very sensitive right now as I go into this series that I'm going to be tremendously tempted and challenged. Issues will be put before me for me to fudge on my own character. And so would you pray for me because I want to stand strong. I want to stand clean and close to the Lord in this. And I truly mean that. Well, in a survey that I went to, to find out some information about how this world does see things, I came across two surveys that were combined together by the Opinion Research Company and, uh, you can imagine it, Men's Health magazine. They surveyed 4,000 people. Truly, most of them were men because the Men's Health was involved in that, but not only men. And I went into two categories because I think these are two categories that some of us might live in. And kids, you might want to listen to this because you soon will be in this as well. First of all, in the world of work or at the office, The survey said that 1 in 14 men say they've taken credit for work they didn't do. 1 in 7 men would follow a boss's orders to do something unethical. Only 42% of men say it is immoral to read confidential documents left near a printer or a fax. Only 40% of men say it is immoral to raid the supply closet for pens, papers, and tape and office supplies for personal use. Now let me pause for a moment. These are just numbers. But if it says only 40% think it's, it's really wrong, that means 60% say it's okay to take the company's supplies for personal use. That's more than half. Only 20% of the men say it is immoral to spend time surfing the web at work on personal sites. If 20% say that it is wrong to do that, that means 80% of the people with whom we work with, and maybe even us, we feel it's okay to take the company's time and we have access to the internet and to slide by and maybe even to do it, to do some research for a Bible study or personal study or something that we think in our own mind is a higher reason than what we've been called to do. And so we're conflicted in these areas. So that's at the office. The second and last category that I wanted to talk about was in the area of lying and cheating. I put them together. Nearly 40% of husbands have lied to their mates about where they've been. I mean, 60% tell the truth. 30% of wives have lied to their mates about where they've been. 25% of men who've pocketed extra cash that they've taken from a waitress when they sat down to eat. That's a lot, a lot of stealing that's going on. Henry Spencer, the great philosopher, said this. He said, not education, but character is man's greatest need and man's greatest safeguard. So here's a question I want to pose before you, and kids, you might want to buy into this as well. Is it really worth it to work on our character as much as we choose to work on our career or maybe for some of us, our exercising of our body? Now kids, you might not go out and have a job, so you might ask the question this way. Is it really worth it to work on my character as much as I do on my schoolwork and all the things I'm doing at school to get connected? As my parents might want to get an advancement in their career, or maybe even to work on some of my private things that I like to do myself, even my hobbies. So what is more important, character or maybe some of these other things? Now truly, though, sometimes character and working on these things often go together. But we're talking about working on one at the expense of the other. So I'd like to submit to you three possible answers, and then I think you'll know the best of these three answers. So is it worth it to work on our character the way we work on our careers or even our bodies? Number one, it's better for everyone if you do work on your character. Now think about it for a moment. It is better that if each one of us chooses to have character in our life and and to aspire to have quality integrity and not have an integrity crisis in our life, when we have integrity and those around us have integrity, then really our world is a better place in which we live. Now maybe some civics and some government might help you. Some of you might not know that our Constitution of the United States really was built upon the Bible. Now, it wasn't so much that the founders and framers of our Constitution sat down with an open Bible and they copied the Bible and put it into our Constitution. But what we do know is this. The men who were writing our Constitution and crafting this tremendous document were men who were greatly influenced by great Christian leaders that came from England. And so that what was put into our Constitution was that we would be known as being self-governed. Now self-governed basically means that we have moral integrity in our life and that we are choosing to make the right choices so that we can live in harmony with one another. And the laws are set up for those, obviously, that are not going to have that self-government. Now it's also prescribed that self-government comes... When the Holy Spirit takes over our life, we know the book, the Bible, and we choose to partner with God and allow that character to come out. That's self-governing, God governing ourselves through us. Now, if you look at our laws today, I believe that all of us would probably agree that we have far more laws and law books today than we ever did when the United States was first founded. True, there's more people on, in our land. And true, we connect with more nations and there are more things that are going on. But often the laws, although they are designed to protect the innocent, they're really to confine the guilty. Now, I don't want to get too much into law on this, but I want you to know that should we choose to live with a proper, decent, and have integrity, how much better that we can be. It was recently that this happened at our house. Uh, when I, We have two doors. We have a big solid door, and we have a, a screen door, but it's a security screen door, so it's made out of like a prison bar, so to speak, with some you know, metal mesh on it. And they have double locks all over these. So I have four locks. Well, I get a little lazy at times. So I, I didn't lock the front door. It's 4.15 in the morning. I'm heading to the church. Carol is fast asleep upstairs. And now I pull and I lock the, 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 the security door. And when I do, as soon as I heard it click, I realized that I left my keys on the desk that's in our living room. And if you come to our house, you'll see what I'm talking about. So now I have... A problem, how do I wake Carol up? Her phone is downstairs, she's upstairs. The neighbors are within five feet of where I'm standing, right next door, we live very close to one another. How do I get through to her? Well, the end of the story is, in some miraculous way, Carol heard me downstairs as I knocked gently, and she very cheerfully came down and unlocked the door. I'm saying that for this reason. Most all of you not only lock your door, most of you probably double lock it. I won't have you raise your hand, but I believe that many of you have a security system even in your home. Now, let me rewind this for a moment. When I pastored in upstate New York, not that it was such a great place, it's just another place on planet Earth, but in that particular community, it was saturated with very many Christians in that area. In fact, the church I pastored, the founding paper said the church was founded literally in 1776. It was that old. The building in which we worship was built the same year the Alamo was fought and lost. Now, that being said, we had no locks on the church door, Thousands of dollars of high technology. Our buildings did not have locks on it. We had an apartment building that was two stories to take care of our staff. We had five parsonages on here. A gymnasium was a large complex. When we came to uh, assume the pastoral role in that church, there was a lock on the door, but we were never given a key, and I never thought enough to maybe go out and get a key or change the locks. We never locked our house. We never locked the church. There was a lot of what we call self-government going on. And so again, is it worth it? Yes, it helps everyone if we all had character in our life. Number two, it's better for you if you choose to have character in your life and if I choose to have character in your life. Now that's not a new answer, by the way. It is better for you. We could even go as far back as reading the writings of the great Aristotle. And he came and did some documentation on his study and he came to the conclusion that when we have character in our life, That what happens then is that it's good for our body and it's also good for our emotions. And he tied it to that when you have good character, when you're not conflicted by having guilt in your life, you have solid emotions. We'll call it being guilt-free. And when you have an emotion that's properly balanced because you are not trying to figure out who you told a lie to and who you've got to clear up that message with and who you stole from and how you can hide it and you don't got all that emotional, mental confliction, then you're gonna have a solid body. But when you're conflicted, all of a sudden that begins to send all sorts of chemicals going through your body, and now you've got a problem with your emotions or your soul, and you have a problem with your body, so now it's not good for you and me. So a positive way to look at that is you could have a cure for some of your emotional challenges and some of your physicalness because it's been tied to guilt by just choosing to redirect your life, reinvent it again according to God's plan, And you can have good character in your life. It doesn't mean you'll be free from having other challenges, but you won't be carrying that inner challenge of guilt, which is not only connected to your soul, where you're trying to mentally balance why it's okay to still do something wrong, but it's equally connected to your spirit. Because when you do this, sin, whatever you want to define it as, sin, you still violate God and your relationship with him, and so that's a part of your spirit. So it is good for us. It's good for you. It's good for all of us if we deal with this character issue. But finally, here's the third one, and this is the best answer of all. Yes, it's good for our community. Yes, it's good for us, surely. But it's also, you have to do it. Having good character is important because God ordains us to have good character. It's really not an option. It's not a question of whether or not I want to have it, or is it convenient for me, or is it uh, how much problem I'll cause if I don't have good character. It is something that we don't have to worry about it. God sees everything we do. He has set everything in motion appropriately in our inner life with him, as well as our social life with our family and our mates, that he says to have good character in our life. And so he says to do it. And if God says it, that's good enough for me, whether I feel like it's right or not. So we have to do it. It's ordained of the Lord. Now, some of you might be asking, because we're talking about character, like, what is character? What is it? Well, it's not that elusive, but maybe I can expand on it for you a little bit. So I'm going to take you to some secular writing, and then I'm going to take you to the Word. First of all, according to Funk and Wagnall Standard Dictionary, here's how they explain character as being. It's a combination of qualities or traits that distinguish an individual or a group. It's certain traits, certain qualities that you have that will distinguish you as a person or as a group. Now, I can have certain character in my life. And it could be bad character. Now, when I refer to it generally, I'm often referring to character as being good character, but it can be bad character too. So it will distinguish who we are based on the character that we have. They also say that it's a moral force, integrity. That's uh, the secular world. And I thought about that for a moment. If I have character, and as I continue to run it through scripture, the character really is a moral force. That having good character actually can change for the better those often who are around us. It can improve a community. It can improve a place of work. If we have, it is a force. Now, whenever you have a force, you know that there's gonna be a negative force coming against it, coming in from Satan. So that's why some of you might be sitting here today and you're saying, yes, I hear about all this good character and I've chosen to have a good character on my job. And when I do, it's it's cost me a promotion. It has caused me a lot of grief from my fellow colleagues. In fact, I've even had to, lose a job over this. So how can it be so good when I have all this other tension that's going on in my life? Yes, you may have all of that and probably will have all of that. But the bottom line is, is you won't have to put your head on your pillow at night realizing that you have sinned and that you've done something wrong. It is a character that God is building within you. So it is a moral force. It is also a good reputation. Now, if I took you back to the very first dictionary of the American language, it was done by Noah Webster, who was a believer in Christ. You ought to get a copy of his, and you're going to see often that the definitions that we use can be traced even to the Bible. Now, here's what he says in that understanding of character. It is very unusual. When I read it, it took me a while to really kind of figure out what is he really saying if he's describing character this way. Noah Webster says that character means to scrape or to cut or to engrave. I thought about that for a moment. That didn't make a lot of sense I don't want to try to make a definition out of it, but I got thinking, as I read a quote in the study as I was preparing this, one quote went like this, the character is like a diamond that will etch glass and leave a mark. And I got thinking about that. If I have bad character and I make wrong choices as your pastor morally or financially, I mean wrong, sinful choices. I will leave a mark on my family. And I will leave a mark on you. And our church will have a mark in the community that I have etched by my bad character. On the other hand, by the grace of God and his help, I have good character. Perhaps I can etch on you through an example and we on each other and you back to me. That we can have an etch or a mark of godliness. That there's something different about us. That people now want to find out what makes you so full of joy and truth and honesty and decency. And I want what you have. I want that peace in my life. And so I got thinking that maybe Noah Webster wasn't too far out. Scrape, cut, engraved, the character goes deep and it leaves a mark. And then I'd like to submit another definition to you. It's one that's there in your outline. It's a little bit longer. You might want to think it through. This one is kind of a combination of all of that in scripture and illustrations from the Bible, but in one sentence. Maybe one large bite, but one bite. What is character? It's the combination of moral qualities which show forth the righteousness of Christ in and through the life of a Christian. So let me take it slowly if you're looking at it. It's the combination of moral qualities, which means having one good character. Let's say that you choose not to steal, that you have embraced that you will not steal. You will not take anything that doesn't belong to you. That is not a part of your weakest link. All right, you will not steal. But yet at the other side, you don't mind prevaricating or telling a lie or spinning the truth or telling a story that doesn't uh, mean everything that it should or however you want to say it. It is not the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Well, that does not necessarily mean that you have good character. It means you have good character and that you don't steal. But it's not a combination of good characters that gives the quality of us having good character in our life. So it's a combination of moral qualities which show forth the righteousness of Christ. Now, having character, I believe, will automatically show forth because good character will be that impetus to help us make decisions and choices on what we purchase, what we do, how we live, relationships we make, where we go. All of our life is born upon choices that we make that should be born out of having good, solid, biblical character in our life. And so it will be shown forth. But now listen very carefully. I put down the phrase, the righteousness of Christ. Now that's important because there are many different Jesuses in the world. And there could be many different Jesuses represented in this group here today. Because it's how you perceive Jesus to be and how you perceive his righteousness to be. In fact, you probably can go to a half a dozen churches just on our island alone. And they will project a Jesus that they think Jesus is. The real question is, is, is the Jesus that we hold dear to us the same Jesus that is clearly defined in Scripture? And so to have the righteousness of Christ is really having the understanding, the correct understanding of his word. And as we know him, we'll know his word. And we'll talk about that a little bit further. So... Um, In getting ready for this message, I chose to Google character, and some of you want to do that yourself. Maybe you're doing that even now on your Blackberry, I don't know, but you're going to Google character. You'll find multitudes of sites that will talk about character building. Some will try to play the political line and say that you go into character building, we have it for the business and professional community. Then we have character for the faith-based community. They're trying to separate the two, and they're trying to be safe on all of that. I'm not here to criticize them. But I'm drawing from that this uh, perhaps uh, feeling or understanding, and that's we might spin certain character traits in different work environments, different settings in our life, so we don't necessarily will have the righteousness of Christ. We might have a man-made character trait. And so we have to be very careful that when we look to secular models on character building that we still know God's word because secular models, and they teach a lot of that in the public schools, not all of it is bad. But the weakness of it all is, is that it could be driven by, that's a good character, so now what you can conceive in your mind, child, you can then become. And so we try to live up to that, and we may be a better person, but we won't be the best person, all that God wants us to be. And sometimes that could be setting us up for failure, and I, I'm going to open that up in a moment, but, but just hold that thought. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I want you to know that it's the righteousness of Christ. Then it says, in and through the life of a Christian. Now I put that in there very carefully, because as I teach these I may not always say what I'm going to say right now, and I'm hoping that you'll remember that this is probably put a star by this. This is probably the the very root, the epicenter of everything that I'm going to say in the weeks ahead. When we talk about character building, some of you are going to think that it's nothing more than a list of principles or a list of this is what I will do or commitments that I make, and that, that might be helpful things. But the character we want to have is really the character of Christ. So listen very carefully. All that would be good, righteous, moral, value, character, or righteousness is found in the person of Christ. If you're a Christian, I don't think you'll ever deny that. Now, since I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I've been accepted into the Beloved One, but also I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm a partaker of His divine, righteous, moral character, nature, who's inside of me. So I have the character of Christ within me. So now, when I choose to have character in my life, The character I'm drawing is not necessarily a man's definition or maybe maybe what I think is true. It's I'm going to go to Christ. And what I want to do is I want to unleash the righteousness of Christ. I want to unleash his character. I want to yield to him. So listen very carefully, those of you that are maybe not even here today on this. This is important. That's why we are so evangelistic at this church. Because we can teach all these great principles But unless you trust Christ as Savior, it's possible you won't understand them.
0: This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.